Hello, and welcome to Reread, Rewrite, Recommend, a podcast by Muskingum County Library System, where we talk a little about libraries and a lot about books. I'm Sarah. It's me again. I'm an outreach assistant here at Muskingum County Library System, and in order to not have an hour of me awkwardly rambling to myself, I am always joined by a guest. In this month, I am joined by Kathy Kirkbride. She is a customer service specialist here at Muskingum County Library System, specifically at the Duncan Falls Philo branch. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to come on. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. And you came to my domain. So I that did. Even made it better. Listener, we have such a nice setup right now. I can literally see the river. There's like a little waterfall going on out the window. It's lovely. We call it our sea. Yeah. It's our little beach scene out there. Yeah. And those are waves. Those are ocean waves. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet if you opened this window, you'd get like a lovely little little <sighs> crashing do. water sound. Yeah. If we just had this, the smell, the salt air to go with it. If only. It would be perfect. Sometimes river smell is not the greatest <laughs> smell. Not always. <laughs> Depends on what the flooding situation's yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> right now it's pretty good it, it is pretty and when the it sun is. shines it just it glistens and yeah it's a very yeah. very nice setting we're not treated to the sun today unfortunately so speaking of being in a different location and speaking of your branch duncan falls slash philo you want to tell us a little bit about like your branch and your community like what it's like down here sure sure so i've been at duncan falls probably like 16, 17 years. Oh, wow. You know it real well then. Yeah, and it's, it's probably not been that long, but it, it seems like it because I started actually downtown and I was there for about three years, I believe. And then I took the position at Roseville. So I was there okay. five to seven years, maybe. Yeah. I lost track of time. But I really, really always... Uh, liked this community. I can remember when I was um, at Roseville, we would come here sometimes for meetings or just different things. And I just loved it here. Just the whole atmosphere and the community. They're so laid back and so close-knit. A lot of church-going people and just so, so sweet and so loyal to their library. They love their library and they're just always real happy to be here you know. They're just that they make it one of their stops you know. And I like to fish. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a plus. That is a plus. Being <laughs> yeah. so close to the river. Yeah, yeah. You ever take a fishing pole down there? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a small community, which is great. And and Roseville is where I started. And mm-hmm. it's it's probably a little bit smaller than this, but that feel yeah. of that closeness and um, just that quaint atmosphere. I mm-hmm. felt the same way when I was in Roseville when I came here. I just, it yeah. was a good transition for me, so. I bet um, it contrasts a lot to working in Zanesville, which is a bit oh, yeah. bigger. Yeah, it is, mm-hmm. it is. And we get a lot of compliments about the setting of this library. It's really pretty here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it like is, it thank lot. you, yeah. yeah. And we're working on some of our outdoor spaces, too, to make it even more inviting. So we've got a pollinator garden out, uh, out in the side yard. And yeah. then last year we started a community herb garden oh how lovely yeah. so of course we'll be planning those again this year mm-hmm. um, did you get a lot of people stopping by and taking herbs mm-hmm. home yeah 
yeah, yeah. we did. And we learned some things. Oh, like <laughs> yeah, what? People were teaching us things about oh, herbs that we didn't fantastic. know. Um, how to store them mm-hmm. and just different ways. We had a lot of people that were tending to them for us. You need to do this and that. And yeah. so, you know, herbs are kind of high maintenance. I didn't know that. <laughs> they can be. Yeah. I live um, in an apartment. It's the third floor of a building, uh-huh. basically. And it has this, like, weird walkout roof situation. Yeah. It has, like, a little half door. The door is, like, maybe three and a half, four feet tall. So wow. you, like, you have to duck to go through it. But once you are, you're on a flat roof. And I have like tomato plants out on the roof and one of the things last year I did was for my birthday I got like a like a cart like an herb cart Uh and I I tried to do herbs last year on the roof cool yeah and so how did it work out uh it depends on what herb we're talking about (laughs) the the dill apparently dill likes cooler weather so it being like on a roof in the middle of summer Ooh. it bolted almost immediately right. some of it did really well like the sage it survived the winter like i still have active sage out there right oh, now wow so yeah and it smells so good it does, it does. i love yeah, it it's very scented like, I bring it in and I, I hang it to dry. Mm-hmm. So you're an herb person. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. That's cool that you do that. I see that in books all the time. And I'm thinking, man, that would be so cool to have. Now, you also have this great, like, wraparound porch situation. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do a lot of programming, like, outside? Um, we have, yes. Um, mostly in the evening because it's it's really warm out there during the day. Mm. And it's kind of noisy, oh, unfortunately, no. because of the river. is that? Um, is that east? Well, Sarah, you're asking the oh, wrong person. Sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. Because you got 60 coming this way. Yeah, and that's south. Way. I'd say. So if that's south, then this is west. West. Okay. okay. There we go. It's west. It's west. So you get a lot of, like, evening sun. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I've done, we have done programs out there before. And back before me, I have pictures of just Tons of people out there on that patio, just mm-hmm. just wall to wall people. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a nice little spot to do that to hang out. Very cool. And we've got some um, outdoor games out there on the patio too. Yeah. Kind of see that, like a Candyland situation going yeah. on. Yeah. We got tic tac toe, Candyland. We got a Target game out there. And then I don't know if you saw our obstacle course out front. I didn't. As you come down, it goes from the picnic table around the snakes Ooh. by the sidewalk and into the entrance of the building. I'll have to take a peek when I leave. Yeah. You got to do it okay all right (laughs) i can do it i'm very agile (laughs) we shall see it's pretty fun it's pretty fun the kids love it that's really awesome yeah all right so one of the things that makes like all of our locations unique is that they all have local pieces of art or um, local history within their locations Mm -hmm. what's some stuff here that's like kind of specific to this area that you have displayed around the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is Johnny Appleseed, the statue out front. Yeah, it on the lawn. Um, and all the little plants around it. It's kind of a neat little sitting spot. And we've got some yeah. benches out there now. How did he end up getting there? Like, does he have a story? Like, why do you have him out there? Because he likes to read. Okay. And so <laughs> cool. he visited the library one day and said, this would be a great place for me to stay. It makes sense to me. Yeah. So I'd we're like hoping he'll plant here. some apple trees soon. Oh, yeah. That would be lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're hoping a to little, do that. Little community mini orchard. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. really cute. That would be cool. Then we could start you know, selling apples or having apple cider or something. Yeah. Now, I remember maybe like the first time I ever came down here. This was like three years ago. Just a random factoid that's not related. In three days, that's my hiring date. April 8th. Aww. 
We're recording on the fifth. So yeah, in three days on Friday, it'll be three years for me here. Happy anniversary. That's awesome. Three years. Wow. Beth always takes the new hires on a tour of the branches. Uh And I remember that I think that first time I was here, you like pointed out the the artwork kind of above the computers and told me they were made with coffee. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. We had a a gentleman, a local gentleman who does that. It's one of his hobbies. He does paintings. (laughs) And he uh, approached me and said, I do paintings with coffee and wondered if I would, you know, want him to do a program. And I was like, sure. Never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. So um, we had a really good turnout for that. And That's really yeah, cool. it was really cool. And, and is it like brewed when he does it or is no, it? You, no, no. I mean, you do have to use like a warm, you know, like a warm water, but it, no, yeah. it doesn't have to be brewed. And you change the shade by how dark the coffee is, of course. Yeah, like how by how much coffee is. you put in. Yeah. Oh, so, so that's neat. how he gets the different shades of the dark, mm-hmm. dark down to the really low, like the medium. Yeah, the um, medium brown. It was amazing. You have to have a special canvas because it's a damp, you know, paint. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because it's like a watercolor, basically. Mm -hmm. And you have to have special brushes. He was really precise about some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, But it makes sense because it is such a um, liquidy. um, And it's a food stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, you want to do it right so it doesn't, like, spoil or anything. But he donated those. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks. I I hadn't realized he had done a program. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know. that he Like, he's from Uh town and he showed us oh my gosh all kinds of paintings that he had done yeah he he brought a bunch of different ones that he had done he's very very talented very talented yeah the people that came some of the people came they were like i can't believe i did this it was amazing some of the pictures they did oh so he he like walked people through it it wasn't just like a a presentation no we had people actually doing it hands-on we had one gal that brought a picture of her dog Uh uh-huh and she actually painted it and it looked exactly like it. I was so amazed. <laughs> so was she. I bet. <laughs> yeah. It's a sign of a good teacher. Uh-huh. Like I agree. Getting people to be agree. able to replicate like that yeah, so well. Yeah. yeah. So just listening to your history at the library, you've worked at both main branch and like the branch locations what are what are some of the differences and similarities between working like at a bigger location like john mack and a, a smaller town location like here oh wow so i started at maine and i started as a page oh okay yeah yeah so, and i wasn't a page very long but that was kind of like i wasn't around the, the customers as mm-hmm. much but i learned a lot yeah you've really worked your way up yeah yeah i did that's great then i became a clerk uh so then i started working with the public a little bit more mm-hmm. and i would say a difference is you don't have as much time to interact with customers as much that makes i sense. think yeah and you don't really get on that personal level as you do when you work in a branch uh, because people want to share more, yeah, I guess because they they feel like they can. Mm-hmm. It's it's busier, I guess, downtown. So it's not people don't have the opportunity to talk to you about things that they yeah. could hear where it's a little bit more not as you yeah. know. Busy. You're more likely to see lines at John Mack, mm-hmm. and you do get to know your people. You get to talk to them about things that not just about books. They talk about birds and mm-hmm. just anything, you know. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So talk about herbs. Talk about herbs. Yeah, they talk about, I mean, really, they do. And a lot of things, uh, now eagles is our topic because the eagles are back. And so people are like, see the eagles today, you know, so. Are they nest out 
over the river. Just right down a little ways from here. You can't actually see the nest, but you can see them flying in and out of the nest. Oh, how cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. And yeah. people know this. That, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, this is where the eagles land, you know. I didn't know about the eagles. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> it is really neat. I'll yeah. have to yeah. pay attention next time I'm driving mm-hmm. down 60. Yeah, you'll see them down 60, some um, on that side of the river. But then, like I say, they're like, they hover over that nest. Mm-hmm. So... Let's talk about fun things. Let's talk about summer reading. How's summer oh, reading prep summer going? Reading. I think it's going really well. Um, it's a really fun theme. I, all the themes mm-hmm. have been fun, but this one is really super fun, I guess, because I like the beach. Yes. I like the water. I like the ocean. So, um, yeah, oceans of possibilities. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, um, and we've got all these committees. So, you're not, everything's just not like on you to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of the fun part about summer reading is the planning. Yes. Once it happens, it's it happens so fast there's a lot packed in yeah so you don't have a chance to really think about it maybe yeah but the beginnings of it when people are talking about and getting excited about it Mm -hmm. and planning things and saying what they're going to do that's the fun part that's the fun part so yeah it's going well what committees are you on again I I know you're on like one or two yeah I just joined (laughs) the kickoff committee before that I was on the take and make committee Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Macy's been telling me about the take and makes. Yeah. So they're, really fun. Oh, they're going to be so fun. Take and makes are fun. They, they really are. are fun. And they've been really popular. They really are. And it, I mean, they came about because of COVID, but mm-hmm. people just really liked them. So it's just one of those things that if you like it, we'll keep it. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone has a hand in the pie mm-hmm. when you're talking about summer reading. So. Yeah. And to think, um, when they start talking about it in February, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. But then yeah. now here it is April. It's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh. I got youth services talks talking about it in like November. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, please, no. It's like we need to get the budgets so that we can get the performers because if we aren't talking to performers by January, they're going right. to fill up before we get to say no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it is a long, long process. Oh, stressful to be in youth services. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So I like to end these interview portions with the same two questions for everybody. So Kathy, what is your favorite part of your job? And what is your least favorite part oh, of your job? Oh, gosh. Oh, my favorite part, of course, is the customers. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've always said I'd rather take care of people than paper. Yeah. Um, all the behind-the-scenes stuff is just like, uh, mm-hmm. But I love just having interaction with customers, finding that right book for them. Yeah. I love it when they come in and say, what do you have for me today? You know, uh, <laughs> you got the next one in that series. And just the conversations, you know, mm-hmm. and the connections that you make. So that's my favorite part. And of course, all ages. I love my no, seniors course, and I yeah. love my little kiddos and all the in-betweens. My least favorite hmm, would be probably i'll just say the paperwork just that uh, behind yeah. behind the scenes things like <laughs> yeah. stats oh and the reports it and seems the... like the stats change too yeah. like the way they report changes kind of frequently uh-huh. which is a little stressful it is plus it, it comes around so quick it's like mm-hmm. i just did that <laughs> yeah um, I'm so, gonna have to do this every month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, that's probably my least favorite is all the behind-the-scenes paperwork stuff. Oh yeah, so. I can see that. You know what we didn't talk about? 
your kindergarten visits. Oh, you, you reminded me with the kiddos. Oh, yeah. That's something that's really cool They're that so is cool. kind of specific to this branch. Yeah. It's that you get the kindergartners mm-hmm. from the local elementary yeah. well, once we, a month, right? Once a month they yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah. We pick a couple days. And this year we have six classes. Wow. Um, we've had five up until this year. So they got a lot more kindergarten. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, they come and they're here about an hour mm-hmm. each cl- each visit. And we do activities with them. We do stories, play games. We do whatever. Yeah. We just do a whole gambit of things. And outreach comes and helps us yeah, too. Yeah, thank Beth goodness. Loves it. Oh, she's so good. <laughs> she really, is. She really is. Um, and now we have Macy. Yes. So you need to come. I do. I don't <laughs> normally focus on the kids. I'm I know, more. But hey. I'm more senior focused. But <laughs> yeah. But it is super fun, and we really enjoy it. And they've been doing it for years. Yeah. For years they've been doing it. It's a lot of work too. I imagine, so yeah. To get ready. Did um, they all get to take a book with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all get to check out a book. We make sure they've got a, car, a library card it's, you know, the first time they visit, and they all get their own backpacks Aww. so they can keep everything together. Yeah. And every every visit, they take a new book home. So mm-hmm. We've had a couple misses uh, because of the weather. Yeah. But other than that, yep, they come every month. Fantastic. Yeah. And then this year, we're actually going to be doing the third grade. Oh, the third really? third going to visit in May. Oh, how cool. Yeah, we're going to be busy, busy. (laughs) It's so exciting. Those such great memories for those kids, too. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. And they they like everything. Oh, of course. I mean, you could just... just... They're so excited just (laughs) about life. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. they do. All right. So I guess it is time to transition into our rereads and our rewrites and our recommends. All right. Right. So did you have any themes or thoughts when you were putting the list together? Or did you just kind of choose what popped out? Well, not really. Um, and it was hard. Yeah. It was really hard because I have a lot of books that I would recommend and a lot of books that I would reread and have reread. Mm-hmm. The rewrite, not so much. Because, I mean, who am I to rewrite? <laughs> you know? I mean, it is what no, it is. No, that's totally fair. <laughs> I've um, come to that conclusion before on this podcast. Like, I would rewrite this if I had written it, but I did not write it. And people like it, so I guess I won't touch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as a theme, I, I must have a theme because a couple of them that I picked out were historical fiction. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But I generally like to read just a different array of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, mystery mostly is my favorite. Nice. I like um, mysteries too. But yeah. historical fiction has been kind of my pick, mm-hmm. um, mostly because I think we've been doing that a lot in our reading group. Gotcha. So, yeah. yeah, they tend to like it. And so, um, yeah. I guess reading group is a little bit of a theme for me this month as well. Oh. And I also have a couple of historicals, too. So, yeah, maybe our, our lists will go well together. Yeah, and there's so, there's so many good ones. There is. I mean, is. every time I read one, I think if I could have read this book when I was in school, I would have learned a lot more about history. Yeah, I would have learned more. I would have liked history it. a little bit more. Yeah. I would have liked reading a little bit exactly. more. Exactly. Yeah. And you would have got a different perspective, I think. Definitely. Um, so um, it's a very specific perspective that is taught in history classes. Yes. And it is not all encompassing. <laughs> it's not fun. You're not to get to too learn. political, but. <laughs> All right. Well, I always like to defer to my guest, so we can go ahead and start with your reread. Oh, okay. What did you bring to talk about? My reread would be uh, The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes. Ooh. I really, really like that one. And I just, I actually did reread it 
for my book talk. Oh, fantastic. So I read it a couple years ago and loved it. And it's also one I would recommend Mm -hmm. because it's just that good. I haven't read this. So what's it about? It's very good. Um, It is a historical fiction. um, And it's about the uh, Pack Horse Librarians in the backwoods of Kentucky. Yeah. There's actually two books that I know of. There's probably more written about this same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one I think is the best one nice i can say that you can (laughs) just because of the story that surrounds the characters in Mm -hmm. the book and and my group i had i went around and asked them to describe each character yeah you know let them pick a character out and the descriptions that they gave these people it is so funny because there's some likable characters and Mm -hmm. then there's some that are not so likable okay and so uh they really ganged up on the not so likables But it's a really, really good story. Um, got some true facts in it. And you really just get a good feeling for what it was like to live back in that Depression era mm-hmm. and how remote and how, like, these people just had nothing. They just lived in the middle of a mountain somewhere yeah, um, and had barely had water and how much they cherished books just That's to be awesome. able to teach their kids to read or, you know, le- to learn. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, wives to cook, you know. Of course, yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, it's it's a very, very good book. Very cool. So the the people would just have books, like, packed on a mule and then would go, on like, a, what, town to town? On a horse. Uh-huh. Oh, on a horse. Yeah. Okay. They'd go from house to house. House to house. So they traveled through some terrible, terrible, mm-hmm. in the winter even, Sarah. Oh, geez. Yeah. So they would go through these streams that were half frozen and mountains up a hill, you know, I mean, snow up mountains. Yeah. It's, it was oh, that's pretty crazy. insane. In the book, I think there were like four of them, and at least two of them had never ridden a horse before. Oh, geez. So they would have had to learn that. And yeah. And then some. Uh, Marjorie was the toughest one of the bunch. It, it's just a, a unbelievable story. And yeah, a true it story. sounds it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, are you a person who generally likes to reread, or are you a person who, like, you've read it and now you're done and then you read? A different one. Generally, I don't reread. Generally, you don't reread. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, I generally don't reread. Yeah. I like rereading when I get around to it. Right. But at the same time, I'm probably going to choose a new book that I haven't read. That's with me, Sarah, because there's so many good books, I'm afraid I'm going to run out of time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So if I reread a book I've already read, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not reading that one or that one or that one or that one. And you're right. Mm -hmm. If you have time. If you have time. Yeah. There was a time where I would do like a yearly reread of like the Scorpio races in November uh-huh. or like Cabinet of Curiosities by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child because they're my favorite. And I'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, yeah, if it was November, I was rereading Scorpio races or if it was March, I was rereading Cabinet. Wow. And like I haven't done that in a while, but I always used to do that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice anything um, that you missed the first time around when you reread Giver of Stars? Mm, That's a good question. Well, I'll tell you this. It has a little twist at the end. So you don't really know. So someone gets... You're allowed to spoil as long as you give a spoiler warning. Okay. So so you know. Spoiler warning. Okay. So someone gets killed or dies. Uh You don't know whether they were killed or they just died. Yeah. Okay. So I paid attention more to hints so that I could figure it out Mm -hmm. because there were some things that 
at the beginning of the book were kind of gave things away. Uh, and they actually put one of the lead characters on trial for this because they believe oh, she goodness. actually did this. Yeah. The second time around, I was trying to figure out, okay, did she do it? You know, mm-hmm. I was trying to put things together that way. And I'm not going to tell you whether she did or not. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> this might actually be a really good pick for like Primrose Book Club. Yes, absolutely would. Yeah. Absolutely would. They will love, love, love the characters. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts about the book? Mm, No. All right. We will move right along to my reread. Okay. And my reread is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This one I am rereading because it is our pick for LGBT book club this month. And I read it, oh gosh, two or three years ago now. Mm -hmm. So I should probably actually reread it for book club. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure if I can make it to book club. Um, That's another thing. But yeah, so this story is kind of a frame story. In the current timeline, we have Evelyn Hugo, who is like this retired actress, very wealthy woman. And she is also kind of very private. She's never allowed a film about her life to be made. She doesn't like share things with gossip magazines. She's just very, very closed off. So our other main character, her name is Monique Grant. She is just this new kind of unknown reporter. But for some reason, Evelyn Hugo has reached out to Monique and she's like, hey, I am willing to share my life story with you. Wow. Like gave her this big exclusive scoop on her life story. And so we have Monique and Evelyn kind of like interacting, getting the story told in the present. And then you flash back as Evelyn's telling the story to like her history. So it's very much about like Hollywood in the 1950s. I would say Evelyn Hugo kind of inspired by Rita. Rita. Um, she, she was in West Side Story. Um, Hayward? No. Maybe. Rita Hayward? She, Latina actress who. That sounds right, but. Kind of. Anyway, she she's definitely inspired by like a popular actress from the 1950s who was a Latina who like ended up having to change her name and like take on white roles and like never mention that she was Latina. Um, and it's like about how Evelyn had seven husbands and like, why did she have seven husbands? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> so it's, it's very much like inspired by and like gets into the history of old Hollywood and kind of the problems around that yeah. and, and that sort of thing. And it's really good. I remember liking it a lot. And recently it has gained a lot of popularity on BookTok. So yeah, yeah BookTok is for you listener, if you don't know, BookTok is kind of a side of TikTok where like a bunch of people just talk about books. So they're book talk. And Get it. Yeah, it's real fun. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have a book talk account? No. Oh, you don't need one. Sarah you doesn't, get the library. Sarah doesn't do video. Um, <laughs> that's not true. They've made me go uh-huh. on the news before. But yeah, so we were going to do Search Ohio for this title. And there are no copies Aww. available, despite the fact that most libraries have two or three copies of this book. It was really popular when it first came out, and it has, again, spiked in popularity, and everybody has it checked out. So our library bought like 10 copies of it for our book club. Cool. (laughs) That's great. It's really exciting. I don't know if I want to spoil the ending or not. So like the main reason 
well, there's a couple of different reasons why we're reading it specifically for LGBT book club. And that's one of Evelyn's marriages was to a gay man. And like, it was kind of like a beard relationship. Like he was her friend and then they would like go on double dates. But like, it wasn't oh, real. Like it was yeah. him dating him. And so that was part of it. And then kind of the big twist at the end, listener, if you have not read this book and you would like to not be spoiler, yeah, just like skip ahead a minute and it'll be fine. But the big twist at the end and kind of like this theme throughout is that Evelyn has been married to all of these men, but she's kind of been together with um, her girlfriend for the entire time. And like the ending line of the book is like, everyone's always so interested in the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, but all I really want to tell you about is my wife. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's not something that they were allowed to talk about in the 50s or 60s. It's not something that was acceptable. So yeah, it's it's just really good. And I liked it a lot. Kidding. Yeah. And like all the old Hollywood stuff is really interesting. But you also have this mystery kind of plot line going through it too, because you're like, why did she choose Monique to tell this story? Right. Why specifically her? Uh-huh. And there's a reason. And like it gets into this mystery, like about how Evelyn not Evelyn's father, but about how like Monique's father maybe knows Evelyn a little bit. Like something happened. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So there's also that like mystery element of intrigue too, which is very interesting. There was always some behind the scenes stuff uh-huh. going on in Hollywood anyway. So for yeah. sure. So yeah, I'm excited to reread it. One, because I don't remember a ton of it, <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, That's kind of how I was with The Giver of Stars. Because yeah. I thought, oh, we're doing this for the book talk. Doing better. it for the book talk. And yeah. if I'm going to be helping lead a discussion, I should probably know what to lead. Right. And what to discuss. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm excited to go into it kind of knowing the twist at the end. And to like see how that was set up and like yeah. built in stuff that I missed. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's my reread. Yeah, I guess we will go ahead and move on to rewrites. Okay. What did you bring to rewrite? Well, I decided on Every Breath, which is a Nicholas Sparks. Oh, that's a newer Nicholas Sparks, it isn't is. it? Actually, I would rewrite a lot of Nicholas Sparks <laughs> <laughs> because they're always so sad. They are. And I know that going in, mm-hmm. but you know, I just, I read it anyway because the characters, he is one of my most favorite authors because he makes his characters so real. Yeah. And you just actually feel like you're like in the story. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually living there so or nice. you're talking to that person or you're feeling what they're feeling. I mean, he's just really, really good about honing in on yeah. that emotional part of things. And his settings are always gorgeous. Mm-hmm. They really are. This one is actually set in North Carolina at a place called Sunset Beach. Okay. Um, And it actually exists. It's a uh, mailbox. It's called Kindred Spirit. My sister actually went there. She got a picture of herself because I'm like, is it really real? The main characters meet up. Uh, They actually have houses together, like little bungalows. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're both like running away from something or trying to find something, that kind of a story. Yeah. And then they meet up and um, just instantly form a relationship. So you're just like really rooting for them. And then the second part of the story, they part. Mm -hmm. It's like, really? (laughs) So, and they finally do get together later, but it's not the same as if they just stayed together. So Mm -hmm. I would rewrite the ending of this one gotcha um but the story was excellent all his all his stories are excellent yeah sad 
But this one, it sounds like they do end up together in the end. Kind of, sort of. Not a guarantee in a Nicholas Sparks novel. Not a guarantee at no. all. And there's a little twist to this one. Okay. Yeah, a little twist, a little personal twist from Nicholas Sparks himself. Oh. So it's, yeah. Very yeah, it's, it's a little different than one of his normal books. But there's been a lot of movies made from his books. There too. have been. Yeah. I don't um, think I've read a Nicholas Sparks, but I have watched a Nicholas Sparks. So you went through a lot of tissues probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the movies are just <laughs> as sad as the books. Why do we do this? Yeah. But the stories are so good. They are. And like I said, the, the characters, you just, you just love them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, he, they're really genuine, just genuine people. You know, I yeah. think they're real. <laughs> he makes this, them seem real. Yeah. This would be probably be a good one for me to take on vacation. Oh, we always yes. go vacation in, in North Carolina. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you can go to Sunset Beach. Maybe. And, and look for that mailbox. We'll people see. just yeah. leave letters in there. Just, you know, like. Who, who checks it? Is it like a post people? office mailbox <laughs> or is it like a fake mailbox? It's, it's fake. Okay. But it's real. Yeah. Okay. No. But it's not yeah, like a post. It's not, you don't have to like use a stamp or anything. You just. I'm not going to get on sign sealed delivered. <laughs> no, no. So people leave like love letters in there, inspirational notes mm-hmm. in there. And then if somebody comes through, they'll see it. I'm not going to tell you what happens in the book. But that's, okay. that's one of like the, the main settings of this is why these two kind of hook up and stuff. But yeah, it's an actual place. So you've got to go there. You've got mm-hmm. to see it. Get I'll your picture to- taken. I'll, I'll see if, what the vehicle situation is like. Okay, okay. I never drive, so okay. <laughs> I have to, like, steal somebody else's car. Um, <laughs> and I think it's a pretty good hike to this mailbox. Oh, So okay. you have to, like, it's what commitment. my sister said. <laughs> yeah. You just, you know, it's like a hike from anywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't just, like, drive up to this. Yeah. So. I was thinking about taking Knights and Rodanthe. Oh, good one. Yeah. But I might take this one instead now. Yeah, this is really good. I know that the house where they filmed the movie for Nights in Rodanthe, like, you can rent that out. It's oh, it's literally a beach gosh. house that is available oh, online for is rentals. Is there? Probably not. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> he probably Darn. has a different, Darn. better beach house somewhere else. <laughs> that was a good movie. That was a really good movie. I don't feel like I've seen the whole thing all the way through. But I have seen the horses in Corolla. So that's exciting. Oh, yeah. 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 I love the Outer Banks. We go every year. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. I, I like Nicholas Sparks. His settings are so good. And this one is just, you feel like you're there. It's mm-hmm. just, it's such a good, and there's a lot of parts of it that are feel good too. He just has a way of telling stories that you just, like I said, you just feel like you're actually there, mm-hmm. you know? But I would rewrite the ending just to make it better. What what would happen Ooh. in your version? Well, they wouldn't have parted ways, for one. Mm-hmm. They would have stayed together. Yes. And there was a reason they didn't. And so that probably made the story better. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he knows better than me. I, uh, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have just kept them together. I would have, you know, let them work things out. Would there have been like a third act conflict? Or would it have been just like, we're going to work this out and i suppose if you wanted to continue the story longer <laughs> i think it was fine you know just end it, it now it didn't need that extra 50 pages no, no not really it's pretty it's, yeah it's it's pretty substantial oh that is one of the longer ones isn't it yeah it is yeah it is and it is it is a little different than some of his others not a big difference but like i said that little twist i guess is what does it um but he writes in a way that even though you know it's going to be a sad story you still want to read it anyway yeah because it you just get attached (laughs) 
same with watching a movie when you know it's going to end the way it is and you think I just I just want to watch it Mm -hmm. I don't mind knowing endings I find predictable story beats to be reassuring really (laughs) I like them (laughs) (laughs) no surprises for Sarah I mean I'll also take a twist but Uh it's one of the reasons I love cozy mysteries is it is beat by beat by beat Mm -hmm. you're not likely going to get anything unexpected right that is true yeah 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 it's comforting Mm mm-hmm all right. Anything else you would like to say about Every Breath? No, just a very, very, very good book. Very much worth the read. And it's actually my pick for the beach reads that we're going to do in our next... Oh, for the newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I try not to send stuff in for those <laughs> because I have a whole podcast talking about books I like. But no, every once in a while, Sean does not get enough submissions and mm-hmm. will ask me to do one. Nice. So You would we'll always see. have one for every. We'll, we'll see if he asks me for the next newsletter. <laughs> well, you can't pick that one because I already did. That's fine. <laughs> I, I have a couple thoughts for beach reads, actually. Beach I, reads are easy. I did a top five of beach reads. Oh. Back when we were doing the top fives on Facebook. For not a podcast, just on Facebook. No, just on the Facebook uh-huh. Lives before uh-huh. the podcast was a thing. So over a year ago, because the podcast wow. has been on for a year. Plus Do you remember now. what they were, some of them? Or? Well, the I know that my number one would have been Beach Read by Emily Henry. Yep. Okay. What else did they put on that list? I don't know. I'd have to go back and yeah, look at okay. it. I'm not sure. I imagine Beach Read. Emily Henry is probably already a suggestion he's gotten. <laughs> yeah, so the book I brought for rewrite is um, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society mm-hmm. by Mary Ann Schaefer. This is a book we read for book club in Tuscarawas County when I worked there. So it's been many, many years yeah. since I have read this. So this book is about this girl named Juliet. She randomly gets a letter from some guy she doesn't know. He found her name in a book and basically they kind of start writing back and forth. It turns out that he is from uh, the island of Guernsey, which I believe is in the, I call it the Bering Strait, but that's not where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) It's on the other side of the globe. (laughs) The English Channel. Got him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's West, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we're yeah. No, it's it's not in the Bering Sea. It's, it's in the English Channel. And it was an island that was occupied by Germany in World War II. So she like writes him back and then she starts writing to other occupants of the island and like just kind of learning about what German occupation was like on the Isle of Guernsey and like some of the stuff that they did and it like kind of goes into like a love story too and it's been a while since I've read it so like I can't give you like super super plot but the interesting about this particular novel is that it's written as a series of letters Oh, that's what I remember. Uh-huh. Because I do remember reading this, but not yeah. much about it. But that there's, I do. Okay. Yeah. There's not like uh, he said, she said, they wrote mm-hmm. letters. It's The book is literally the letters that they're writing back and forth to yeah. each other. So you get the story unfolding based on what is written in these letters. You get the, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society origin story because they were like all out after curfew one night and the germans are like what are you doing why are you doing this and they're like it's our it's our book it's our book club what what's the big deal what what about it haven't you heard about our book club (laughs) like sharing our potato peel pie recipes god could it be right i feel as though there was like potato peel pies made in this book 
Oh. Like, it was technically, like, a joke thing, but then, like, somebody made it, and it, it was real bad. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't even sound good. No. no. Like, I love a potato. <laughs> However. <laughs> Not that part. It sounds a little, a little too much like a depression meal to me. <laughs> All right. So the thing that I would rewrite about this book is, I guess, just... It's the same problem I have with all epistolary novels. And I generally like an epistolary novel, but there's like some things that you have to like overlook, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because if I were writing you a letter about like the time on our podcast, I wouldn't go into extreme detail describing what we did because I was there and you were there. and We already know. Right. So when you read epistolary novels where it's like letters you can kind of tell that they're writing for a third party because it's like, thank you for that gift that you gave me. Here's everything that was in the gift. <laughs> Both parties already know that. Why are you wasting time explaining that True. type of stuff? Or for this, it's a, it works a little bit better because like she is talking about an event that she wasn't there for. Like, Juliet was not on the Isle of Guernsey during German occupation. However, everybody else was. <laughs> so, like, some of the letters get a little bit repetitive. And some of them are just like, why are you putting this in a letter? It, it serves the plot and it needs to be there. It doesn't make sense in a letter, though. Okay. Yeah. So I think the thing I would rewrite about this is I would, like, read the letters with letter in mind and then try to either reassign things to other people to write about or leave it out entirely because you're asking your reader to overlook a lot with the style already mm -hmm. and I get annoyed when I'm just like they wouldn't write nobody ever write this in a letter <laughs> it's not how letters I don't remember work. thinking that but <laughs> it's probably just me being picky <laughs> but <laughs> It's like if you told a story via text message, oh. you're not going to like type out every single thing. No. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem. I'm used to digital I communication. I was just going to say, you can't compare the two. Really? Sure, I can. I I can do what I want, Kathy. Yes, you can. I guess. I guess. <laughs> so yeah, ultimately, it is a pretty good book. If you like historical fiction, I think you would probably like this. I do believe that a lot of the history of this is true, that Guernsey was occupied by Germans during World War II, which is not something a lot of people know. Like, we know about the attacks on London and, like, the bombings and stuff, but, like, it's not known that Britain actually had to cede ground in World War II, okay. like, on those, I, on those islands in the mm -hmm. British Channel, mm -hmm. so... Yeah, it was kind of interesting learning about that. This was not something that I thought, but in preparation for this, I did read a couple reviews on Goodreads, which is what I do when I can't remember the book very well. <laughs> and it helps me it helps yeah. me get the character names uh -huh. and like kind of the plot points that didn't make the summary. And someone was like, they did a bad job of describing hardship. <laughs> it was like suffering light. Oh. When you think about the horrors of world war ii mm -hmm. like this didn't quite make sense in that scope again that's i don't remember thinking that but i also was like oh it's england that makes sense so yeah take that review if you'd like <laughs> somebody on goodreads said it <laughs> but yeah this was just it was a pretty good book 
And if you like epistolary novels, you'll like it. And if you like World War II novels, you'll like it. And maybe you're not as picky about epistolary novels as me, and that's totally fine. <laughs> just you, you live your life the best way you know how to, listener. You just do it. <laughs> Also, I thought it was a little on the nose that our main character's name was Juliet, and she ended up um, in a romance. But yeah, that's all I have to say about this book. It's not very long, so it's, it's a quick it, little no, read. No, it's not. It's not. So it's a quick little read. It's cute. So yeah, I guess we'll move on to recommends then. Ooh. What, what are you recommending for us today? Well, I'm going to recommend a book, and I actually, um, I downloaded this on Hoopla. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so, so it is available for you right yeah. now, listeners. Yes. It is. It's called Under the Tulip Tree, and it's by an author, Michelle Shockley, who I okay. don't know. Mm, I've never heard of her, no. Um, and this is another historical fiction, very well written, and it spans from uh, the Civil War days through the stock market crash and beyond. Oh, okay. So, and it's based on a young reporter who loses her job because of the crash mm. and then takes another job with a project called Federal Writers Project that is actually, uh, it was under the Roosevelt's WPA okay. during yeah. that time. And so she agrees to do this project where she goes and interviews former slaves and gets their side of the story. Yeah. And he asks her to write down, to record them word for word, everything that mm -hmm. they've said, how it's happened and actually, you know, actual events. Yeah. So she meets up first with a gal who's 101 years old. Her name's wow. Frankie. Yeah. And although it says at the end of the book that she interviewed five people, I never got past Frankie. It's like this was what she, the whole book was based on was Frankie. Okay. She just kept going back and interviewing Frankie. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, very good story. Another one of those, like I said, that you, if I had read this in history class, I would have probably picked up on some things that were yeah. really important for that time period. Definitely. Especially like through the, the stock market crash and all that. They were from a well-to-do family. This has a little twist at the end of two. It's almost something you see coming, but yet it's still, some of it catches you off guard somewhat. Very well written, um, and I would definitely recommend it. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, yeah, you don't see a lot of history from the perspective of the oppressed. Right. So you don't get slave voices because mm -hmm. they're not writing history it's not that they're not writing history it's that their voices are being actively excluded from history yes and some don't want to tell the story it's so horrendous no of course you mean this... you're asking people to re-traumatize themselves by... mm -hmm. and that's exactly yeah. what she says i don't really want to bring this back up and she's like you know she said i've forgiven people and i've you know i've just moved on so i don't really want to dredge it up but she does and she does it in a really good way mm -hmm. but the the title under the tulip tree comes from when she was six years old when frankie was six years old um she was um a slave to a a real prominent family and she was supposed to be a playmate for their daughter mm -hmm. uh, margaret she margaret wants to teach her to read well slaves aren't allowed to read mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to do that so they had to hide that she was being taught frankie ends up taking one of margaret's books and hides it under the tulip tree so she can oh, go wow. out yeah and just read and she gets caught mm. and of course gets beaten and banished so that's where the tulip tree title comes from very very good book yeah, it sounds yeah. really good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. pick that up. Good. Yeah, especially since it's on Hoopla. Yeah. You're available with no weight. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved listening to it because... Um, Ooh, it's an audiobook? Yeah, yes. it's an audiobook. And Fantastic. it was... Um, and it could there could be a book, book, too. 
I'm sure I mean, there it's is. Not paper book right now. Yeah, that I, that I could find. But the reader did an awesome job because she had that accent. Because this is actually took place in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and so she had that southern accent. So that nice. just like put you there. It just you know really helped. That's really cool. So, yeah. And also, just an aside, um, my high school was built as a WPA project. Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, they tore it down like two years ago, three years uh-huh. ago. But yeah, it was it was built under FDR with WPA, and it had like a, a fallout bomb shelter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like it, I know. That is very interesting, yeah. that whole project that he did. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really, really good thing. And it helped a lot of people. And she actually, Rena, the the reporter, got some bad vibes from people because they thought she, because she came from a well-to-do family that she shouldn't have got help through this project. Mm. But she actually needed to go out and get these stories told, and not everybody could do that. So yeah. they and ended up that when she talked to Frankie, Frankie said, I wouldn't have talked to anybody else but you. Oh, wow. So, yeah, there was yeah. that little connection there instantaneously. Very cool. So... Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a really good book. And it's not a very long book. Nice. Audiobooks take go faster, I think, anyway. They do. I listen um, at increased speed. So, mm-hmm. and normally of course, that you can do other too. things. So, it's not like you're just sitting there <laughs> yeah. reading, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. You can read while you drive. Yeah. You normally can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shouldn't do that. No, that's a little dangerous. <laughs> Yeah. Anything else you want to say about Under the Tulip Tree? Um, no, really. And I just just read that. I just finished it, so it was really fresh in my mind. Great. So, but I mean, as far as recommending, I oh, there's so many books. For it was sure. hard to choose, and that's okay. this one was, like I said, fresh. So it's like, oh, I'll just recommend that one. The list is long. For sure. Mine is also a recent read. My recommend is a recent Ooh. read. It's so recent that I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> 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 I was literally just talking to Stephanie recently about how we shouldn't recommend books we haven't finished. That's not true. <laughs> In this case, it was. I still, um, <laughs> you still can, really. But I am comfortable recommending this regardless because it's going to be great. And that book is Diablo Mesa by Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. Ooh. I love Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. I don't know if I, I, I'm pretty sure I've probably waxed poetic about them on this podcast before. They're two of my favorite authors. I read them individually. I read them together for the longest time because they've been writing together for years and years and years. If you asked me who my favorite fictional character was, it would have been Pendergast from, from them. So this book, Diablo Mesa, is book three in kind of a Pendergast spinoff series. It features Nora Kelly and uh, Corey Swanson, who were two characters that were introduced in the Pendergast books. And Nora is an archaeologist, and Corey is becoming an FBI agent. She's kind of like... Good um, combination. Yes. And like Corey and Nora, in the first couple of books, they don't really get along very well. Of course not. Of course not, right? (laughs) But like book one was like Donner Party related. So that was really interesting. Book two was like a gold treasure hunt type of thing. Wow. So for book three, what we have is we have this eccentric billionaire. I can't remember his name right now because I did not take good notes. But But basically, he is very interested in the Roswell site. And he has billions and billions of dollars to play around with. So he's like, all right, I'm going to go 
send an archaeological expedition to Roswell. Mm. And we're going to dig it up and we're going to figure out what happened. He's hoping for aliens. And he approaches Nora, who is an archaeologist. And he's like, I want you to lead this project. Like, I, I saw the work you did on the Donner stuff. I saw the work you did on that treasure thing. You're the one that I want to lead this project. And Nora is like, you are insane if you think I am going to try to dig up aliens. aliens. Um, I, that I thought would... she was going to say that. <laughs> that will ruin my entire career. <laughs> I will be a laughing stock in my field. I'm not doing that. <laughs> and so when do I start? So, like, he he does have to, like... Really convince her. She worked at an institute, and they he was paying the institute a lot of money to get her, and she just flat out quit. She's like, "I'm not doing this." Oh, wow! Like she quit the institute, um, and so like he has to be like, "Oh hey, you don't have a job now. Maybe you should oh, <laughs> come boy. work for me directly." Um, he even is like so like he wants her specifically so badly that he's like. It's not going to matter about your career after this because I'm going to pay you forever. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, like, a millionaire, so. I'm like, congratulations. <laughs> you are now getting $250,000 oh, a year for your entire life if you do this. And, like, she tours the site and eventually she agrees of because like, he, she, he wears her down, I guess. <laughs> and, I mean, she did quit her job, so <laughs> she yeah. needs something. So they're starting to excavate. And kind of off to the side, she sees these two things on ground penetrating radar. They look like like a tomb. And because we're in the American Southwest, she's like, oh, I imagine those are probably native burials. We need to confirm that they are native burials so that we know to leave them alone. There's like a lot of regulations and protections specifically among like native burial sites. So he's like, that sounds really boring. I don't want to do that. Mm. She's like, we have to do that. It's going to take like one, two days tops. Well, <laughs> they get over there and they start excavating. And it turns out not to be native burials. They are much more recent. <gasps> um, oh. And yeah, so they're two bodies from around the time of the Roswell crash. They look like they have been executed in the desert and just kind of covered over. And so obviously, because they're modern murders, surprise, the FBI gets involved. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where Corey comes in. She's worked with Nora before. And the story kind of takes off from there. Like, why are these bodies here? Like, how are they related to Roswell? What actually happened at Roswell? And then you get like this big government cover up type of thing. Mm. One of our side characters works at the Pentagon and he's like actively trying to like block things. It's very interesting. It's very wow, good. Wow, it sounds oh like gosh, it. It's crazy. Wow. And I haven't finished it yet. And normally with a book like this, I would not recommend it before finishing it. But I trust Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child so much. They're always really, really good about wrapping up really crazy, like just, I can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) I almost cursed. (laughs) Like far-fetched out their storylines in a way that just makes sense. But at the same time makes you go, but really though? Yeah. So what's the genre? What? Like if I was recommend this to somebody, I would say this is probably thriller. Okay, or like specifically some no, I wouldn't no. Okay, like like a tech thriller. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't go far enough out there to be science fiction necessarily. Like it's a very modern setting with mostly modern technology. 
Okay. But like cutting edge modern technology that kind of makes mm-hmm. makes it a little wow, cloudier. Good. They they write my favorite thrillers. I love them so mm. much. And like people can be like, ah, oh, they're popular authors. I'm like, but they're popular for a reason. Yeah. So yeah. And I, they're long reads, aren't they? I'm trying to picture. Uh, between 350 and 450 mm-hmm. normally. Okay. And just an aside, Preston and Child do like super short chapters, which I love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. It a big difference. It just, it, you fly through it. Mm-hmm. They're very entertaining and I like them a lot. And my bachelor's degree is in anthropology. So both Corey and Nora have anthropology backgrounds That's too. Cool, so like I like I I don't know I just really like them and I I think they do a really great job. And you should definitely read this series because it's a blast and it's just insane. So do you have to read it in that order? <laughs> is it a series like that or no? You don't necessarily have to. Each story is contained okay. within itself. Obviously, book three kind of mentions some of what happened in books one and two. For example, that billionaire wants her because he was following what was happening on that Donner case. Mm-hmm. I already like her. She's she's brilliant. <laughs> she's feisty. She's so fun. <laughs> but yeah, so if you are a person who likes thrillers or likes government conspiracy, mm-hmm. you, you would probably really like this series specifically. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's very Sounds fun. Sounds good. Yeah. So that's my recommend, Diablo Mesa by Preston and Child. All right. I like it. We've, we've, we've done a podcast. Wow. We made it through. That's awesome. How are you feeling? This is so fun. Oh, good. It I'm really glad. Was. Good. I, I really did. I, I mean, I like the book part, and I uh-huh. like the, the first part. <laughs> that, that was all the parts. Yeah, that was all the parts. Uh, <laughs> and I liked them both, really. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for, like, taking time out of your day to talk to me about Thank random you. things. Well, thanks for coming for a visit. Oh, and... my gosh. I love it down here. I'll come visit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you can just come to all your podcasts here. I mean, I could. This is a great room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see what the audio sounds like. I'm sure it'll be fine, though. <laughs> And thank you, listener, for listening all the way to the end. We really appreciate you. I'll be back next month with more books to talk about. If you have any questions or if you'd like to submit your own reset of books, please email me at podcast at muskinghamlibrary.org and we may read them on the pod. You can find out more information about MCLS at muskinghamlibrary.org. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a five-star rating and a review either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, if they do reviews. That really helps new listeners find the podcast. Also, you can just tell your friends about it. That's another great way to get more listeners. That's maybe even a better way to get more listeners. So yeah, thanks so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.